You're listening to Prosper the Connection. I'm Benjamin Ha. The intent of this podcast is to help us connect with each other after having been through a year without any significant face-to-face interaction. Each episode, we're going to sit down with a member of our cohort and dive into how they've been spending their summer, what they love to do in their free time, and anything else you might find interesting. Let's get started. Hope everyone's doing well. Ben and I have two announcements today. First, we are excited to present the second installment of the podcast. Today we have Elaine Beck. She lives in Seattle, works for Amazon, is a passionate tennis player. She loves the outdoors, hiking, camping, and has been doing a lot of that this summer. We get to talk to her about that and more during this episode. And the second announcement is that the podcast has its first sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Shoulders Hospital, the place to go if you have a hernia. If you or a loved one has been affected by a hernia, call Shoulders Hospital today and experience their fully carpeted ER rooms. Thanks. Hope you enjoy the listen. Thanks for joining us, Elaine. Really glad to have you on. Good to see you guys. Great to to see see you. It feels like you've been very busy. Have you been traveling? Um, yeah, so I've been trying to enjoy a lot of the, a lot of the summer before we get back, been enjoying kind of the outdoors. I'm in Seattle right now. So I've been doing a lot of hiking, um, spending time outdoors with like friends and family, um, going camping. So that's why I've been, um, a little out of town, but yeah, mostly just trying to enjoy the summer before we like get back, uh, get back on the computers and back in full school mode. It's been awesome weather for it. I have plans to go camping this weekend, actually, which I haven't been camping in like four years. So oh, I'm, nice. I'm where, excited. Where are you going? Not too far away. I think it's called Dash Point. It's only about an hour from where I am and not yeah. that far from Seattle. Are you so you're located in Seattle then? I'm actually on the east side. So right now I live in Bothell. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I have, I've heard of dash point, but I, I haven't been there, but I feel like any, any camping spot you'll find in Washington state is just beautiful. Yeah. I'm excited. And one of the only reasons I picked dash point was because when I went to book a site, pretty much everything was booked. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I was, I noticed that and I, I was kind of late too, but there's a lot of like cool lake spots, like, uh, in like Chelan and like Lake Cushman's a really popular spot, but that one gets booked out like three months in advance. So yeah, it's, it's so hard because like everyone is also trying to be outdoors now in the summer, um, and getting to spend time with like people now. So I think it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more crazy, but if you can get a lucky spot, then that's good. Yeah, for sure. Do you do car camping or backpacking? Um, mostly just like, we'll go like with friends, um, just car camping and just like spend the weekends in like some spots. Um, there is like a, I don't know if you've heard of, uh, the enchantments. Yep. Yeah. So that one is like, that's the one I've always wanted to backpack through, but never, never had a chance to yet. I've been told that you can actually backpack through the enchantments in a day, or I guess you would hike through the enchantments in a day if you were very focused on getting through them. Yeah. It's a whole day thing, pretty much. You're just hiking the whole day, but it's like, I heard it's worth it if you can just save energy for an entire day of hiking. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe someday, but it also feels like you're missing out on just like relaxing and enjoying the 
the enchantments. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes after long hikes, I always, I always think to myself, did I, did I really want to do that? But (laughs) (laughs) I'll speak for the non-hikers and non-campers. I don't know what y'all are thinking going out and camping willingly. See, Tony, that's sometimes that's what I think when, after, when I get home and I'm like tired and just like passed out, I'm like, why did I do that? (laughs) I'm, I'm a little jaded though. I think the army has kind of ruined camping and being outdoors and backpacking with, you know, like sure. in the army, it's just, they make it miserable. They find a way to make anything miserable. So yeah, maybe someday I'll, I'll love camping and, and outdoor stuff. <laughs> I feel like camping is a good reset for me. I, I know I haven't been camping in a bunch of years now, but it's always just nice to get away for a little bit. It's definitely nice to like unplug and just like, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't spend like, you're not focused on like being like checking your emails or like being on your phone. It's just kind of nice to like disconnect with everything, but it's, yeah, it's a, di- it's a different experience for, for everybody. Yeah. I, I can only imagine how hard it would have been to do it through throughout the army experience, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I work a desk job now, though, so it is starting to sound a little bit more appealing to <laughs> to appear and get away from computers and phones. Something, something I've always wondered, Tony: um, Are MREs terrible? Oof. No, there's a few good ones. I haven't eaten one in a while, but I mean, if you get it heated up and you know, like if it's warm, it's a totally different ball game than when like if you just have to eat one cold real quick. What, what was that, Ben? What, what? An MRE, meal ready to eat, the oh, meal yeah. you when you're, you know, out doing training. I think they're specifically made for the military, right, Tony? They're not, like, you can't just buy MREs. Yeah, there's some, yeah, the military ones are pretty difficult to get your hands on. I think you could go to some surplus stores in the area and find them pretty easily, but the idea oh, is they're just, they're packed with calories. They're like 2,000 calories per meal. It look interesting. I don't know how they would taste, but they it's cool all the ideas they have to to pack everything in there and make it really like easy and disposable. I'll try to get my hands on one for you. <laughs> <laughs> for that matter, we can have an MRE dining experience maybe. <laughs> well yeah, we'll just do it during immersion. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it'll sustain us throughout through the whole day. <laughs> all the calories you need to, to get through all those long lectures. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the program, how was your experience this year? Was it what you expected? I honestly think it was a little better than I expected, especially since like it was completely virtual. I thought that like I was a little bit sad because like we signed up for the hybrid program. So we we wanted that kind of um, half in-person experience. And since we didn't get that, I didn't know how it was going to be because it was completely virtual. But I think the fact that it is like, it was completely virtual, you just have to have like a better connection with your teammates, just because you have to connect over, over zoom and over a computer. And although you don't have like a physical, like face-to-face time, um, I think that allows you to really like get to know your teammates better and people in your cohort because you have to connect like you know over just a keyboard and a computer so I think that really enriched the experience of like getting to know um, my teammates and like the material Um, a lot of things that I've learned in this program like I I didn't learn like in the workplace so I think that's that was pretty interesting that I could carry that like within my personal life like if people ask me friends and family ask about how the program is and like what I'm learning I think it's it's really cool that you can 
you can tell people about like, you know, the business side and business aspect and, and apply that in the workplace too. So I think that I, I expected it to be like, kind of like a, a virtual, like computer staring at a computer screen, um, all day, but I really like this cohort. I liked, you know, I like my team and I like everybody that I work with. So it was a really enriched experience. And I think that I I'm looking for really looking forward to the second year when we get to see each other finally, but, but yeah, I think that it, it was a little better than I, than I had thought from the beginning. That's good to hear that that's great promotion for the program. <laughs> yeah. I kind of agree, actually. I think uh, what you mentioned about being forced to interact virtually, it, it almost seems like we had to network with intent. Yeah. Um, something like this, where you have to reach out to somebody with with some focus. You can't just see them in the hall or something and just stop and chat for a little while. So yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good point. Yeah. And I think um, also like the faculty, like all of our instructors, they were like very engaging. Um, like I didn't find like one professor that I like didn't like, you know, I liked all of them. They were very, everybody, every professor was so interesting in their own way. And they made the material like very engaging, like even if it was like max cold calling, which I got a little bit nervous about, <laughs> but, but they made it so engaging and like the, the staff was always willing to help, even though it was a virtual environment. So I'm really looking forward to seeing like how the actual hybrid format will play out this year. So on that note, you had a really good experience that probably helped lead you to your decision to volunteer more of your time with the student council. Uh, just curious why you decided to, to do that. Um, obviously you feel like you, you can do a good job and you can bring a lot of value add to the program, which I think we can agree with, but, uh, just curious about the process that went on behind the scenes in that decision. I've always grown up to really like working in a team setting growing up as a tennis player. I've always grown like within tennis teams and like in college, I played tennis. So really learned to form like very personal connections and like long lasting friendships with a lot of the people that I play tennis with. And I think the the student council gave me an opportunity to also connect with like a different, like a closer relationship with a different team of people. So especially within like the virtual setting, I'm in group A. So I only got to really see and like connect with group A besides immersion. And then like my own study team, like that was kind of the like, the deeper level of like connecting and chatting, you know, in person, you get to see like everybody a little bit more often, but um, the student council just gave me an opportunity to like network more and just get to know like a different team of people. I was the student rep with Zach vote. And then we worked with like the C3 student council, which was, which was great. And then um, now we have a different student council team. So it's another formation of like working with different team members, um, especially in a virtual setting. Like we get to Zoom with each other more um, and connect. And I think it's, uh, I think that's the team aspect that I really like. And also just like learning new ideas from you, uh, from others. So seeing like the different perspectives that others have and like what value they want to add to the program. And combining those two to like form one idea for our entire class, I think that's a pretty unique experience and making that experience um, long lasting for just everyone um, and taking like the thoughts and feedback we have from everybody and just making an impact. I think that was the biggest thing too, is um, not only for myself, but like, I want to make an impact for you guys and everybody. If, if there's something that 
we want to make better for the entire program. I think it's pretty cool to be in a, in a team where we can make something happen uh, when we want it to. So yeah, a little bit, of, a little bit of everything of those aspects. Did you see last year in your experience with the C3 council, something that stood out as an impact that the council had on the program? Ooh, last year. That's a good question. So I think the the biggest thing is, so C3 already had, so they were like in their second year. So they had the, already had the first year perspective. So I think they gave a lot of insights to us on like how their experience has been and like what to do, what to expect for year two. So I think that their past experiences and them kind of handing those to us, it gave us a lot of insights to prep for, um, for the second year. I think they did make a lot of impacts, like the, the things that they created, like all of the events and just tools of communication and like forms that they created, um, like the standard work for the student council. Um, they kind of laid like a solid like foundation uh, for the next student council. But I think the most, the most important thing was just learning like and hearing their insights on, you know, how they went through kind of a virtual year as well. And like just what to expect uh, for year two. I wonder how much of what they were able to do or impact they were able to have was, you know, hamstrung by just doing it virtually like i imagine that when we do immersions in person the amount of impact that the student council will be be able to have for you know social networking events that we do will be yeah and honestly i think i think it's going to be even better this year because i think everybody has like all these ideas in their head from this past year and we are actually like already starting to kind of think about what we want to do for like the fall and upcoming events Everybody has so many great ideas that they've saved in their pockets for the last year. So I think what we like want to implement for this year is going to, it's going to be really great. I, I hope. That sounds really exciting. I hope that we get to see those impacts throughout the year. All right. Let's talk tennis. All right. I'll have a quick question first, and then we'll go into more specifically tennis and how, how it's affected your life and when you got started and all that. But what is your favorite? Do they call it a major or a grand slam grand slam event? So there's Wimbledon, the US Open, the French Open, and the Australian Open? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Which one is your favorite and why? Oh wow, that's a good question. Um so if I did choose one out of all of them, I would say the French Open. So the French Open is um it's all clay courts. So the surface is completely different. I really like that one because compared to just a normal hard court, like you really get to see how the different players play. Like it's kind of like they bring out a new personality. Um, so like on a normal hard court, like you kind of know, like how these professional, like I know how these professionals will play, but when they're on a clay court, it's like completely different. Cause like their footwork has to be different. And like the ball bounces differently. So it's really interesting. Um, it's a unique surface. It's really interesting to see like how players adapt on clay. Um, and it's fun. Like they're all like sliding around everywhere. And so <laughs> it's really fun to see. And also like on clay, it's a little bit different because normally you see like the same like top players always winning and like getting to like the finals. But in the in clay courts, you kind of get surprised. Like there's different players that play really well on clay. So you get to see a lot of different game styles. So I think clay is something, yeah, clay is, I would say is my favorite or French Open is the one that I like to watch the most. Is grass, so with Wimbledon, is grass more 
similar to a hard surface? Yeah. So grass, it's more similar. So the ball, it, it bounces a little bit slower, but and as far as like movement, um, they don't have to like have that like slide and like uh, that, that like resistance that you have to kind of stop mm-hmm. when you, when you hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so grass is, is a lot more similar to, to hard courts. Okay. Interesting. Who are your favorite players that you're following right now? Wow. So nowadays, like I haven't, I haven't watched tennis in a while. Um, and now like, there's a lot of, uh, like you don't see as much of the Serena and Venus Williams. Cause there's just all of the young, like there's so many young rising stars right now. Um, that have made a huge comeback. And sometimes when I watch, I don't recognize these new players because there's just so many, there's so many great talent out there. Um, but I would say as far as, I've always liked Roger Federer. Um, he's always just been a very, very class, classy player on the court, uh, very like all around good player. And he shows a lot of like great sportsmanship and professionalism on the court. So I would say he's been one that I've really liked to watch. And woman back then, wow, this is a, it's been a while. I really like, I don't know if you guys remember Kim Kleisters. She she retired a while ago, but she was she was one of my favorites. And Serena is just always, she's just dominated all the time. So she's fun to watch because she's just, she's very powerful on the court. But yeah, these days, like there's a lot of new names out there, a lot of new talent. Yeah, I've I've been a huge Roger Federer fan as long as I can remember. And in 2019, I swore off watching tennis when he lost to Djokovic. And then this year at Wimbledon, Federer was starting to do well. And I was like, okay, I'm going to trick myself into this. And I started watching him again. And he broke my heart. <laughs> he, he just wasn't moving around the same same as usual. And that was, it, it's sad to see, especially when he used to be so dominant. Yeah. But, but in, in watching that, that's like broken the tap or the seal again for me for watching tennis. And so with the Olympics, I've been watching Olympic tennis pretty much every night. And I st- oh. started watching Naomi Osaka. I'd never watched her play before. And I've heard all these stories and she's been amazing to watch uh, until again, last night when she lost Man, it sounds like you're bad luck, Ben. So <laughs> I, I can't tell if, if the bad luck is me watching or not watching because last night specifically, I didn't have enough time to really sit down and watch. And I tuned in for the first two games of the second set and she dominated her opponent for those two games. And then um, she, she, she had lost the first set, I think like 6-1. And so pretty stunning for her at least. And then I turned it off uh, and went to bed. And when I woke up this morning, I checked the score. I was like, wow, she, after those two games, she, she just held off. Again. Yeah. Naomi Osaka, that it's, I, I'm glad you reminded me because she, she's been, she's been such a great, uh, just a great like human being. I mean, she, she's been going through some, you know, personal struggles and um, I haven't seen her documentary, but there, she did have a documentary on Netflix uh, kind of about her life she's just, she's been a great player to watch. So I'll have to, I'll have to catch up on the Olympics. So I imagine you must've started playing tennis at a young age. I don't know why I just associate people that play tennis or golf or, you know, some of those sports as prodigies, like, and that they start playing when they're like five or six years old, like they're like the rackets bigger than them. Is that how you were? 
Yeah. So I, I actually started at the age of 10. I, when I was, when I was a kid, I wasn't really into sports. Like I was very into like music and like ballet and dancing kind of the artsy side. So I never really played sports when I was younger, but my older brother um, played tennis and it was just one day I was watching him practice. And from that day on, I just, I like fell in love with the sport. And so I've played since the age of 10 and then I played through high school and college um, and then took a little break after college. So now I play um, like recreationally, but it's uh, it's nice to get on the court once in a while. But yeah, I started um, at the age of 10. Did your brother play college tennis? No. So he played mostly uh, like a lot in high school and then he just wanted to focus on, you know, his education during college. So he, yeah. So you, he, he introduced you and then you ended up playing at the higher level. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very, very motivated by him. Could you beat him? Back in when I was first starting? No, but I, I learned how to beat him later. (laughs) Cool. Quick question. The last one I have on tennis, have you ever smashed a racket out of anger? And how hard is it to smash a tennis racket? If so, I don't know because I which... would be in the business of smashing at least one racket a game. I don't know what answer to say during this podcast. <laughs> hey, it's all right. You're competitive. Um, yeah, I, w- I was very competitive and, and I still am when I play tennis. So I, I have, I, I haven't broken, I haven't broken a racket, but I have like, you know, like during a really intense match, um, and it was a really close match a couple of times, just like, just like dropped it like very heavily, but I have never, I will say I've never broken a racket Okay. for, for me. I, I don't know. I don't know how hard it is, but I, I have heard from like friends that you have to, you have to smack it pretty hard. Like you have to put your entire body weight into actually like smashing it in half, but there's a lot of dents on my racket. So, okay. I'd be a yeah. Dan McEnroe type of tennis player. A lot yeah. of cursing and storming around and getting <laughs> mad at lines judges and you know yeah that's what's fun to watch though that's <laughs> those personalities make make the game more exciting yeah exactly are you familiar with the the USTA levels I I've always heard about it and I, so I played in high school but nothing I, well very casually after that and I I think that like a three is average. It, I don't know. Can you explain those levels if you yes. understand? Yes. Um, I I think they might have changed it a little bit now. I, I don't know. They always change it like year over year. And I'm not exactly sure how it works now. But when I was in USTA, I can't I can't remember how high it went, but it, it went up to like 10. So and I think you can you can play in, in any level you want. But at some point, like if you try, like I know there was a lot of people that tried to play higher than they than they were or they wanted to play lower than they actually were and sometimes like ust officials will notice that so you kind of have to gauge like what level you're at but i do remember i would say between like 4.0 to 6.0 would be like average and then if you're like very very competitive and you're playing in tournaments like every weekend i think that's where like above 6.0 but i will say like after after college, I never played in USTA. So I was never, I never played in any of those levels. Cause once you're in like high school, um, you just play like in your age division. Okay. Interesting. Good to know. All right. A couple more questions for you. Sure. Uh, so 
number one, are you reading or watching anything right now? There's a book that I have started, um, like just the first chapter, actually a couple of days ago. Uh, it's called The Silent Patient. I've heard it's like a really like good psychological thriller. So that one um, I've heard like it's a really good summer read. So that one I, I just started and then shows, man, there's like not a lot of good shows on Netflix these days, I'll have to say. <laughs> I just fin- I watched the movie with with Megan Fox. It's called Till Death. Have you guys heard of that movie? I did hear about it. I think I saw like maybe a trailer or poster for it or something. Yeah, it's um it's okay. It's like it's it's just an average like thriller kind of scary movie, but I just watched it cuz I I couldn't find anything else to watch. But yeah, like shows wise on on Netflix <laughs> there there hasn't hasn't been a lot of a lot of good hits. Um so I'm I'm on the hunt. I'm on a hunt for a really good like binge series. Okay. So what you're saying is um if anybody is listening DM you for good bingeable series on Netflix. Yes. Absolutely. If you have a good recommendation for any just like and I like all all genres so I like scary thrillers like comedy um like rom-coms. I like anything like just a good watch too. Anything. Any any good watch uh send my way. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully some people reach out to you about that. I'll I'll have to think and get back to you on that. And I guess to segue into the next question, what should people reach out to you for if they if they just want to chat with you? Wow, that's a great question. Um I am I'm a pretty open book. I I like to have conversations about really anything. So I wouldn't say anything specific. A lot of like I'm interested to see like what uh people's like unique hobbies are like what they what they like to do on their free time like outside of work and school like if you could do anything like not worried about time or money like what would you do um i'm really curious to see like what what people like to do on their free time besides like going hiking or you know going out to like the water unique like hobbies I've been trying to like cook new meals and like bake. So really open to, to anything, anything unique. I can't even begin to answer that question that you just posed. (laughs) (laughs) Tony, do you have anything? Are you a dog or a cat person or neither? If I had to choose a dog person. Okay. Uh, Beer or wine? Oh, wine. Wine. Okay. Do you have a preference between uh, red or white? That's the extent of my wine knowledge. I've been liking white wines because white, I think in the summertime, white wines are like a little bit lighter. Yeah. Also, op- I'm also open to if anyone has good wine recommendations. Um, but yeah, I would say more of a, a white wine. Okay. And what elective class are you looking forward to most? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to product management. So I'm actually looking to pivot into product management um, in my career path uh, after I graduate the MBA program. So I really like like the marketing side of business. Um, I've I've been in supply chain and operations and retail, and I've I've been exposed to a lot of different areas of of the business side. But I really kind of want to delve deeper into product management. Um, so that's an elective that I'm really looking forward to. I really enjoyed the the marketing course we took with Dan Turner this year. And so I think that really kind of opened up a new lens as well. But 
but yeah, product management um, is something that is a career path I, I want to get into in the short term and long term. So that that's an elective I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you, Elaine. Of course. Yeah. I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us tonight. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thanks. It was, I, I don't get to chat with you guys a lot. So it was good catching up and good seeing you guys. All right. Well, thanks again, Elaine. We're really glad you were able to make it on. Thank you to Elaine for being on the show this week. And thank you for listening to Prosper the Connection. If you want to be on the show, DM me or Tony Segura.